Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. Hi, everyone. It's uh, Roxanne Durhach. How are you today? Uh, thanks again for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne. Uh, today we have a topic that I think all of us um, in the world need to know a lot more about. And uh, I have a, an amazing uh, friend and uh, colleague, uh, Colleen Santini, here with me. Colleen has, um, I'm going to say she's, uh, I don't know if there's a word for a, a lady yogi, but she's a, a, one of the um, I spent, I was fortunate to spend a weekend with her and some amazing ladies and she just kind of sprinkled some fairy dust on us and we were doing things we weren't sure what was happening there. So uh, uh, Colleen, thank you for coming in today to spend some time with us. Uh, it is such a pleasure to be here, Roxanne. And it, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, 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 it, it, it's a pleasure. It's a, it's my pleasure. And we did have a wonderful weekend together and everybody was doing some yoga postures that they didn't know whether they could do, but they were doing amazing. And with all of us, we brought our personalities to it, didn't we? And we, we, it was <laughs> we, a lot of giggling, a lot of giggling and cracking and, you know, beautiful women in her fifties, mostly and above kind of doing our thing, but it was, it was amazing. So let's let's talk a little bit about um, your path, uh, and uh, you have been in yoga for a very long time. So tell us a little bit about your story, and well, then we're gonna get into um, what meditation is and what it's not, and how it impacts communication. So tell us a little bit about you, Colleen. Well, I started doing yoga in 1971. I I I was an actress, and somebody brought me through some. Some, how do you how do you get more aware of your instrument as an actor? Because your instrument is, of course, your body, your voice, yourself, mm. and yoga is the basis of all of all of the all of the exercises that I did as a as an actress to get more in tune with myself. And then yoga kind of took over my life. <laughs> I I always feel like um, I always feel like yoga took me. I don't feel like I pursued it. I feel Ooh. like it took me. And um, what happened was that I became so interested in the in the stretching. I just started doing it every day. And I did that for years. I did probably 45 minutes to an hour of yoga every day for years. And then after 12 years, I had I had an experience that I, I didn't know what it was at the time. I just went, this is more real and touching me more deeply than anything I've had before. And I, I, I found out later that what I had was an enlightenment experience. I was trying to describe it from the content of my experience, but the content was less important than the actual, um, the actual touching of, of a deeper a deeper nature, a deeper reality. 
And it, it shifted my perspective for my whole life. I got interested in what that was and, and how could I, how, how could I find out more about it? And it, it took me a few years, but then I bumped into this um, retreat that was based in communication. Now, th this, is, this was unusual because a lot of meditation is silent, it's solo, mm -hmm. and it's still. And this meditation was dynamic, it, and it wasn't silent. It was, it was based in communication. And the people who had originated it, in 1969 in the desert in California. <laughs> um, you know, a bunch of hippies, not really, but. <laughs> <laughs> everything, everything, it seems like everything enlightened comes from the West and then we catch up on the other side, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, um, this man had actually visited uh, India and gotten interested in, in, um, in enlightenment and he took a process that he was using for um, for therapy, for therapeutic purposes, and he he saw that people he he, he saw that people some people progressed in therapy and some people didn't. Mm -hmm. And he studied what's the difference, and the difference was the people who progressed in therapy knew who they were. And the people and and it's like when you know who you are, you have a touchstone uh, to begin from and things progress from there. But if you don't know who you are, every time you go to therapy, you're starting from scratch <laughs> instead of starting from who you are and the progress that you make each moment. And so mm -hmm. he, he, it's like his heart went out to these people. He thought, how can I, how can people have more enlightenment? And he took this dyad process uh, of communication that is specifically designed to clear our, so our main barriers come often from our own minds and the barriers to not only enlightenment, not only meditation, but all the things that happen in our lives, our own sabotaging, it comes from our own preconceived ideas, our own, um, our own problems. And so this process it, it naturally de-identifies you from the things that are not true. And it, it's not an easy process, but it is a fast process. So let's let's back up a little bit because I think let's let's assume that people listening, they may have a concept of what meditation is, you know, about yoga. Let's just back up a bit more. So when you made a point that you said, you know, the mind steers us, but the body holds a lot of things, including mostly emotions. So let's what happens when you meditate? Like, you know, what are some of the basic things that say if you've never tried it or you're an experienced mediator? What are some, how would you describe that to someone that maybe hasn't tried it? Well, I think mm -hmm. of meditation as being as listening to to what is rather than what how we want things to be. Mm -hmm. It's like getting in touch with it's allowing things to be the way they are, but also letting yourself stop trying to make things be a certain way and just noticing how they are to me that's meditation being with what is is uh is a meditation and you can you can be real and it, it, you can be real in your life but that doesn't mean that you're meditating <laughs> it's a it's an act it's a muscle meditation is a muscle but it is an act of 
of getting into uh, letting things be the way they are. Being almost like almost like the objective mind then, right? Because I often say we all have that pink hue of how we perceive things in our lives or values or beliefs or assumptions based on a lot of things in our lives. So what you're saying is with meditation, it allows you to just be still enough to listen to the objective mind, objective space, I should say, of what is. Um, yes, I, I I would agree with you, except that I, I would take out the mind. <laughs> yes, of course. And I just I just retracted that as I said yes. out loud. Right. So in a way, and you know, clinically, what we often say is um, the term that we use um, as psychologists is that you become the watcher. So it's almost like you're back, you're backing off um, versus being reactive. So when something happens and people get triggered, everything comes right here and they can barely see anything else. And then eventually, as they're able to kind of distance the, to the emotional reactivity, they're able to watch what's happening versus being kind of in the street theater kind of character. So it sounds like it's the same same kind of concept, but with meditation, um, what something that you said that I found very fascinating, Colleen, is that um, you go back to who you know you are. But I, I would say, as you know, someone that's been in practice for a lot, a lot of people don't know who they are. I know, and they have problems. And mm -hmm. the, the dyad, the dyad meditation, the the retreats that I give are designed for you to know who you are. They're designed for that kind of meditation and that kind of enlightenment. And, and, and that gives you a lot of, it helps you with your fulfillment. How can you be fulfilled if you don't know who you are? How can you be fulfilled? How can, how can you be happy if you don't know what you want? How can you uh, move forward when you don't know what your purpose is? And all of these things stem from knowing who you are. And sometimes, <laughs> I I went to a I went to a, a retreat. It was my first two week retreat re retreat, and I went through this process of feeling like it's like I'd have this really true feeling, mm -hmm. and I'd go to communicate it, and as the minute it came out of my mouth, it felt like a lie. And this went on for it went on for two or three days. It was driving me nuts, mm -hmm. and. I finally realized that what was going on was I was speaking the idea of myself rather than actually who I was. And the idea, like we have ideas about who we are. And sometimes those ideas are correct. In my case, the ideas were all correct, but they weren't who I was. They were the idea, which is like trying to take a bite out of an apple. That's only a picture of an apple. <laughs> mm, that's a that's that's a that's a good visual so let's you know i experienced this uh dyad with uh colleen when i was away with her for that weekend and goodness it was probably close to six seven weeks now and something happened and she's she's so right because you know and colleen can probably explain the process with, with to you a little bit more but what we had to do is we really just had to listen you know and if you think about the rapidity of the world that we live in in this uh digital completely technical technologically connected world most people are harried they're they're stressed they're burnt out they're not really they might be doing a bit of say meditation here or there or mindful walking but people aren't taking the time to really really slow down colleen is that what you're finding with 
most of the people that you're working with or the companies that you work with when you go into train or deal with uh, intentional culture, then that's what Colleen does. Is that what, what you find? Well, um, what I find is that people have an idea of what the problem is. And then as we get into dealing with the barriers that are, are there, like a problem, what a problem is, is a goal with a barrier that you can't get through. And so you sometimes what you need to do is put your attention on the barrier. And when you put your attention on the barrier, you clear the barrier, but then another another thing will come up and a different problem will surface. And so what, what happens is people find that they're answering questions they didn't know that they had and, mm. and that they... It's like they get surprised by, by the 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 evolution that's possible, the evolution of business, the the evolution of self, and uh, they end up having a much richer experience because they're open to to the new the new that is coming, the new that is coming from the from putting their attention on the reality. So it's almost like I see I see those levels, right? It's you know I know when I and I am by no you know I meditate, Colleen. I am not an expert, but I'm constantly trying. You know, and if I haven't meditated for a couple of days and I go back, I feel like I'm I'm at, on the four hundred one and lots of cars are coming at me <laughs> at uh, vicious rates, right? It's like one thing's coming after me after another, um, and uh, what happens is that all of a sudden when I get in, in rhythm, it takes me quite a while oftentimes um, to, to be able to get back where I need to. Slowing down is slowing down. It's difficult to let go of our agendas. One of the things that I do on my retreats is I create, I create a space where people can let go of their lives. And so you, it's like being able to just put your attention on yourself. We, we don't, we don't make space for that. We're, we're busy. We're busy trying to make our lives work. There's a lot of things, a lot, there's a lot of things to be taken care of. And we're not only taking care of ourselves, we're taking care of the people around us and, and our families. And so it, it's very difficult sometimes to even know what we want, let alone put our attention on it. And so having a sacred space and you can create this sacred space for yourself, but you you really have to leave the all the things outside that door or outside that window of time, and just allow yourself to sink into who you are, and put your attention there and let it stay there. And for some people, that's difficult. You know, there's different kinds of meditation. Some people do really well on their own, and some people do better when they're in conversation with people. Some people do better when they're physically active. Some people do better when they're on a walk in nature. And just knowing what works for you and giving yourself the opportunity to do that thing. Um, so if if you need to be running to get into a state of, of uh, meditation, then you should be active. If you need to be sitting quietly, um, in your home, in a, in a space that's sacred, then you need to be doing that. When I give my meditations, 
people are put through they're they're given a schedule that takes care of all of those things so that you're doing all these different kinds of meditation so that something is going to land with you <laughs> so let's talk about some of the basics about i'd like to start a practice I, I love the fact that you say set up a space i have a bit of a space that i use periodically but it's not like a sacred space but i like it's almost like you're a bit, a bit of a cocooning cocooning kind of concept. What other things should people consider? So you said trying different types. I like that because I know I've tried some types and some days I can be quiet calling and other days I have to go for a walk, right? And then I'm like, okay, well, how come that happened this day and this day it's not happening? But of course I'm shifting. So now I kind of know if I try and I can't sit still, maybe I'll do something in movement. So people should just try different forms. How is it, you know, I, and I often hear this complaint, and I'm sure you hear it all the time, being um, someone that does this with clients. People say to me, I've tried this thing called meditation, and it sucks. I, I talk to myself, and I think, what am I going to, what sandwich am I going to have right after I'm done? Or I didn't pick up the eggs, or oh my goodness, Johnny has T-ball, and he doesn't have his shirts. So what what is it that people can expect if they've, not done it before, or even people that are further along about, like you said, it's a muscle. So how is it that we know we're progressing in the right way? Um, if you're trying to meditate, then you are meditating, first of all. Okay. So it, it's like, it's like, just understand that, that sometimes the mind is very active. And it's like, I liken it to a dog barking down the street. So if, if your mind is the dog that's barking, you can just notice that the dog is barking and you can you carry on. <laughs> it's like, what do you do with the dog that's barking down the street? You don't have any control over it. And so sometimes that's the way it is with the mind. And, and just notice that, that maybe you're doing a meditation of, of your to-do list. <laughs> Um, it's not a bad thing to do a meditation of your to-do list, even consciously. I mean, you can uh, do the meditation. I, ha I hadn't thought about that. That's a, that's a new one, Colleen. I'm going to have to try. <laughs> it's not a bad thing in the morning to do the morning or the night before to do a meditation of what's coming up in that day. And then it's like the mind, the mind grabs onto anything that's not finished in its communication mm -hmm. cycle. So the mind will will go over and over and over again these things that are in, unfinished. So if that's, you know, if that's a cluttered basement maybe or sometimes the cluttered basement is out of mind out of sight, but it's like <laughs> out of sight out of mind. I did that backwards. But <laughs> um the mind the mind does not like incomplete cycles. And mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the movie industry and these books that have cliffhangers, they make millions of dollars <laughs> on the fact that our minds will not let it go. Yeah, because we wait, we wait till we the ne next sequel comes out, whether it's six Absolutely. months or a year or whatever, and they gain energy because we're all we're all in that state. So that's that's a good point. So we I often say it's you know we're always beginning when we look at things that kind of are free floating, there's not a beginning, a middle and an end. And as human beings, we're constantly trying to put that context of things. We're trying to put the structure in and oftentimes things don't happen like that. So cliffhangers would kind of fit that because you're kind of in the middle, right? You're waiting for the end. Now let's talk a little bit further about um, 
with communication, right, and doing a practice, obviously we know that all of us have to try to quiet that, quiet our mind in whatever way. Like you said, if it's movement, if it's walking, if it's running, if it's sitting in silence, if it's praying, lots of different ways that you can figure it out. Now, when you work with corporations, how do you kind of, you know, and let's put it bluntly, sometimes corporations think of meditation as being woo-woo and how does that, you know, I don't know if we have the time to stop to meditate and all those. How do you approach people with the benefit of some of the things that you're talking about? Are you asking me what the benefits are? Is that what yeah. you're asking me? Yeah, like if a, <laughs> if, a, if a leadership team comes to you and they're kind of thinking about it, but I think a lot of sometimes it depends. People that know the benefit know the benefit. Some people kind of know maybe they need to do something, but they're not sure what to do. Like, what are some of the benefits that people that are listening that are maybe in leadership positions should consider about meditation and implementing some of the things we're talking about? Well, if we're talking about meditation as being in touch with what is, um, in terms of business, and just in terms of, of life in general, something that you resist persists. And so in business, if you're trying to shift something, if you want to see a change, you can't change anything until you actually are in touch with the way it is. And so that's why that's why businesses have metrics. They're they're wanting to look at what is. And so the practice of meditation is coming into into harmony with the way things are. And mm -hmm. and so if you think of that systemically, you want your you you want you do the metrics to know where you are as a business, but you want your people to be aware of the facts of the business, but also the facts of themselves, the facts of themselves in turn mm -hmm. in, in relation to what the business is. Ideally, everybody in the business, everybody that, that all, the team of the business is um, in harmony with what the business is trying to do. And, mm -hmm. They need to be, and so being in harmony with themselves allows them to be, to be actively, um, by choice, in harmony with the business direction. But people have to be in harmony with themselves in order for them to choose to be in harmony with what the business wants as well. And, you know, it's like the more that the business takes care of its team and its people, the better off everybody is going to be because a happy team is going to be way more productive than a team that is oppressed or, or pressured into doing something that they're not fully on board with. You want your team to be on board. Right. And uh, in my new book, I talk a lot about that, right? If you focus, you know, the, on the ROR, which is a return on relationship and of which, you know, communication and, and meditation is such a big part of it, then you're allowing people to connect with their values and how their, their vision of what they bring to the table, to the overall strategic objectives, how do they fit? Because oftentimes with kind of traditional leadership, it's kind of top down. And what I'm hearing is this is like, this is like a top and down meeting um, in concert to create what is in the best, um, interests of not just the individual but obviously the overall business at hand and once you have shared values and vision together what's not possible 
Exactly. I, I love how you're phrasing that. I think I think it's it's really really well put. Um, I also it, it's it, it's like I've given retreats where we the retreats are they're for a specific period of time, and if you create a a, a good culture on the first night and get everybody's buy-in, the buy-in is actually important. Having mm -hmm. everybody buy in then the the retreat everybody's on the same page everybody's working towards the same thing they're working right. and they're working for it not only for themselves but for each other and so they're they they really become a team and it's it's gorgeous it's, mm -hmm. it's like <laughs> it's delicious to be involved with with teamwork when it's when it's working so beautifully together so that creation of that, uh, it, it, I've seen it, like I've, give hun I've given hundreds of these retreats. And mm -hmm. so I've seen it when people are fighting with the structure and, and, the, and the culture. And I've seen it when people are on board. And it's so much better when people are on board. You're not oh. being distracted mm -hmm. by, by um, the drama of people fighting with the structure you have people uh, instead the structure is there to support everybody and everybody moves forward and so that's the importance of creating intentional culture and which i which i love right because i think when i think about that colleen all the stuff that needs to bubble up will bubble up like to your point if i don't know who i am and i'm part of a team and i'm disgruntled or have issues within the team or i'm having issues with my supervisor or or manager and I'm just stifling to go along. At some point, it's the process allows the space for it to come up to yes. get dealt with. Instead of oh, I'm I, you know I'm down the line already at you know I'm almost at, to the end point, and then all of a sudden you see all these little explosions happening, missed deadlines <laughs> or conflicts or uh, you know so and so is not pulling their weight and all that stuff that slows the entire process. So it sounds like it's it's very holistic, and you're looking at every parts. Every and part you, of the of the spoke and the wheel and the entire hub. Absolutely. And you don't want to lose your good people because if you lose your good people um, because of, of not being able to deal with the issues that come up, then you have to hire somebody new. And that that training is expensive, that mm -hmm. it's a very expensive process. So you want to keep the people that you have and you want them to be happy and you want them on board your <laughs> you want them on board the whole process of what is what the business is about so for for people listening that um especially leaders right if you can kind of and i i know it's hard to encapsulate in a couple of sentences or even one sentence what is the importance of people implementing uh the type of communicate dyad communication or um meditation in the workplace I think the big, the biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it has happened, and so mm. <laughs> I like that. So the, in the past tense, so the illusion that it has happened. Correct. So what that means is we're going. It's like if we're under the illusion that communication has happened when it has not, then we have a different idea in our mind 
than the other person or the other people. And what dyad communication does is it makes it clear when communication has occurred and when it hasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, and everybody is responsible for that, not just one person. Everybody is responsible for complete communication cycles. A, a communication cycle between two people is not complete until both people think it is. Um, if one person thinks it's complete and the other doesn't, it isn't complete. Mm. And there's no fault. There's, there's no fault to an incomplete communication cycle. It just means it's not complete yet. It's not I, complete I, I like that because, yet. oh my goodness, Colleen, most of us are walking around with incomplete cycles. Yes. Oft, often. <laughs> yes. But it, it may be that you're, you're incom it's incomplete at home or it's incomplete with a colleague or it's incomplete with a friend. So I like that, that it's, it's that buy-in with both parties that says, mm, I'm not done yet. I like that because, and I know I experienced that, like I said, when I spent time with Colleen and it was, it was actually beautiful. And of course you had, you know, eight or nine enlightened um, women entrepreneurs and all of us were like, wow, what? Did she, did she like spray something in the air or something? As we, <laughs> we all in, went into that state, you know, where we were just completely focused in front of the person um, that was with us. So Colleen, tell us, you know, you have some amazing things going on and I know you're having, you have something coming up. So for anybody that's looking to connect with you or consult or learn about next steps, tell them what's going on and where they can get a hold of you. Thank you, Roxanne. Uh, so I have a, a, a program of creating intentional culture for businesses. Um, this is to make your team more productive and more aligned with each other and to make them happier and more fulfilled. It also makes your business work better, which is um, a great perk. Uh, so you can contact me for that at um, Colleen Santini at gmail.com or my business soul trek transformation at gmail.com uh, i also have a website which is soultrek.ca and i also have a, on a personal note i have an in-person retreat coming up september 2nd um, and it you can come for four days or for eight and we will be doing the dyad meditation along with five or six other types of meditation daily and it is residential and it's happening in a beautiful spot in the Hockley Valley, north of Toronto, September 2nd. And the same, um, the same contact information, Soul Trek Transformation. So Soul Trek is S-O-U-L-T-R-E-K transformation at gmail.com or my name, Colleen Santini at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Awesome. Well, for everybody, we'll have uh, some of those uh, contact information in the link. So what am I walking away with? You know, I talk about authentic connection and uh, focusing on um, all the aspects of what it takes to ultimately connect to yourself. And, you know, when you are able to drop down into who you are and become aware, the things that Colleen is talking about becomes naturally. But guess what? Most of us, I would say, haven't had the skills and we need to continually develop those skills, like she says, to finish the cycle. So I'm going to think about my life and which 
relationships that I have to go back to or conversations that I haven't finished a cycle and uh, challenge myself to, to uh, close those cycles. For everyone, if you're wanting to chat with me, as you know, my new book is coming out. Uh, it will be available on Amazon, ROR, Return on Relationships, on May 19th. I'll have a live podcast interviewing four CEOs. I would love if you can come. But in the interim, if you'd like to have a chat with me, uh, you can go to chatwithroxanne.com. Uh, you can see the tag just below my picture. So again, Colleen, thanks so much for your time. And for everyone, thanks for tuning in, giving us your precious time and we look forward again to seeing you next week take care bye-bye everyone thanks colleen thank you such a pleasure thank you thanks for tuning in to authentic living with roxanne creating the space for positive healthy change roxanne is a keynote speaker psychotherapist and coach to work with roxanne visit roxanderhajcom blueprint we'll see you next time Unauthentic Living with Roxanne.